This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So the 13 Fs are out for the fourth quarter of 2023, and I promised we would take a look at them for Berkshire Hathaway. And remember, the 13 Fs are the filings that the hedge fund managers or big uh, professional money managers who have, I think it's over $100 million in assets under management, they have to file these uh, 45 days after the end of every quarter, and it shows what they bought and what they sold in that prior quarter. Now, looking back at these means we are looking back, and that's usually not super exciting. So the 13Fs kind of, they all mainly come out around the same day, you know, the actual 45 days after. No one seems to file these early, by the way. I'm not sure why that is. Occasionally we get a few that are maybe a couple of days earlier than the 45 days, but it's not like someone files it 30 days, you know, after the end, even though you could, they're all mainly come out around the same time, um, the 45 days after the end of the prior quarter. And everybody looks to see a few select big name managers. What were they doing? And then the news kind of goes away, right? So we actually did have these 13 Fs come out a little while ago and now no one's talking about it anymore. And some of that is because 2023, which is what these filings were for, the fourth quarter of 2023 seems quite long ago already, even though we're only in February of 2024 right now, seems like that was, you know, years ago or something for 2023. That hasn't stopped us value investors from checking in on Warren Buffett, his lieutenants, and just Berkshire Hathaway in general every time these 13 Fs come out, because he is the greatest value investor who's ever lived and one of the greatest investors living right now. So why wouldn't we tune in to see what they're doing over there at Berkshire? So at the end of the third quarter, if you recall, Berkshire had a ton of cash. It had a record level of $157.2 billion, and that had been up significantly quarter over quarter. Now, why was that? Why is the cash like growing like crazy? And a lot of that is because they do invest it in short-term treasuries and investments. And so that's generating literally billions of dollars. When you get these bigger amounts and you even just put it in the bank, basically, it does generate these huge amounts. So you had that going on for why you got these record cash levels. And in addition, some of his equity positions, remember he owns some stocks and then he owns over 50 businesses in the other part of the portfolio. And these equity positions are sometimes paying out their own dividends and he's generating billions in that. Some of the uh, estimates I've seen are that Berkshire will make about $4.7 billion in dividend payouts in 2023, but we're still waiting on the, uh, the fourth quarter earnings report to kind of see what's going on, uh, even though we did get the 13F filings. Um, so we do know what the positions are in the equity portfolio. But so nearly $5 billion being generated just in dividends. 
And I took a look just to kind of see which are the big dividend payers now, because that does change as goes along, um, whether or not he's buying and selling more shares and all that kind of stuff. So the stock with the biggest payout in money, not in yield, but actually in how much Berkshire is getting, is uh, Bank of America right now. Uh, Bank of America, ticker BAC, they own um, over, is it a billion shares? It looks like a billion shares. It's the second largest position. And that is going to pay out at the current yield of uh, 2.8% or 96 cents a share. It's going to pay out $991.5 million. So almost at a billion for Bank of America. Some of his other big ones are um, obviously, uh, let me see, Apple's number two, even though Apple is only yielding 0.5% right now, it's paying 96 cents a share, but the yield is, is low, but he owns so many shares. He owns 905.5 million shares. And that Uh, is generating $869.3 million in the dividend. So imagine if it was yielding higher. Imagine if that was like double, if it was, you know, closer to $2 a share, what he'd be getting there. But that is a low yielding stock. And he didn't buy it for the yield necessarily, but still getting, you know, nearly $900 million for that one. And then um, it's kind of, Close to tied, actually, between the next two biggest ones. Uh, Coca-Cola, ticker KO, is always paid out big to Berkshire Hathaway over all these years. Think of the billions that it has actually gotten just from the dividend. He owns 400 million shares of Coke, and it's paying out $776 million to Berkshire with a 3.2% yield. And then Chevron the fifth largest holding in the portfolio. He owns uh, 126 million shares now, and that's paying out 776 million. Now, I did want to talk about uh, what he's bought and what he sold, obviously, but I wanted to kind of focus on where the portfolio kind of stands with the cash what it's generating in some of these, uh, you know, income paying situations. It's a lot. By the way, there's there's more than just these big name stocks that I've talked about. I looked up American Express, its third largest holding. He has 151 million shares of that, and that's paying 363 million. And then Occidental, the seventh largest holding now, is paying out 218 million in the dividend. These are not for quarterly. These are for the year um, right now. So uh, yeah, it it gets lower, but that's all relative, right? It's still generating all these huge amounts, which are adding up to almost $5 billion total for just the dividends. But let's get to what he bought and sold, because I do think it's interesting in the fourth quarter. So keep in mind, it is from several months ago. We don't know whether or not they bought or sold at the beginning of the quarter, which would have been um, in October. So that's even... That's even way back in the rearview mirror, right? October, when the stock market was not doing well, maybe that is when they bought some things. 
and then all the way through December there. And now we're into late February already. The only thing we do know is that uh, Berkshire keeps buying Occidental Petroleum. And we know this because it's filed separately outside of the 13 Fs. And it's filed separately because they own such a large position in it now. They own 26.48% of the company of Occidental now. So they have to disclose once you control as big a portion of that, they have to disclose their buys. Although um, someone can tell me if, if I'm right on this, usually Buffett, arranges with the SEC that they don't have to say immediately, like within 48 hours of a purchase, but they do have to say within like, you know, a couple of days after that, but they give them a little leeway. I don't remember exactly if that was the case with Occidental, but he has arranged deals with the SEC in the past because so many people are watching Berkshire's every move. And it's only fair that he gets a little bit of privacy, I guess is what you'd call it, to make the trades before everyone else can follow him in on the trade, I guess. That was always the argument that he made to the SEC. So um, it kind of smooths out some volatility and some, you know, shenanigans perhaps if he's given a little bit of leeway. And that's also the reason why we have to wait 45 days for all these you know, money managers and hedge fund managers to tell us what they've been doing is because they always said we need some time to actually make these trades. I'm not saying that that's, uh, you know, the argument that, um, you know, is correct necessarily, but it's what has been going on for many years now. So that that's how it works. And we're sticking with that. But Buffett gets a little bit of leeway on some of his stuff. So they have been buying Occidental and they now own this big percentage of the actual company. And it's now the seventh largest position in Berkshire Hathaway, which is only 4.06%, even though it's the seventh largest, because Apple remains the largest position, even though they did sell some shares in the fourth quarter. But Apple remains at about 50% of the portfolio. Now, over the years, he has sold some of his Apple position when it's gotten well above 50. Like he doesn't want Apple to be, you know, 60, 70% of the equity portfolio. It's just not healthy to have one position be that large. And so over the years, he has sold some when it's gotten above 50. It still remains like right around that 50 mark. So um, he sold only 10 million shares, so it wasn't that big of a sale because, again, he owns 905.5 million shares, so it didn't really make that big a deal or difference in the overall portfolio, but uh, that was all in the news that he did sell some Apple shares. Another sale that I thought was of interest was DR Horton. They sold out of that completely. They only just recently bought a couple of the home builders. And this one was um, along bought alongside Lennar, which is ticker LEN, and NVR, which is NVR. And DR Horton's DHI is the ticker there. I, this was a lieutenant buying these positions. They were very, very small positions. And I don't think it really matters or says much that they decided to get out of one of them. 
So I'm not that concerned like, oh no, you know, Berkshire Hathaway is getting out of their home builders. It's doomed or anything like that because the lieutenants have shown over the years they're willing to buy in one quarter and sell in the next if it doesn't do or go in the direction or maybe the earnings weren't what they thought. Who knows? They never tell us what the reasoning is, but I'm not that concerned about that. I am more concerned with the buys. So this quarter was more interesting because they did finally buy some more Chevron. And Chevron and all of the energy stocks got very cheap by the end of 2023. And even here into 2024, many of them were trading near 52-week lows, not multi-year lows, which are still way back in the uh, you know beginning of the pandemic, but still at 52-week lows, coming down off those Ukraine war supply concern spikes we saw now two years ago and, um, you know, kind of back normalizing, but they're still really cheap with oil above $70 a barrel, which it has mostly remained uh, for 2023. There's been a few dips below the 70, but on average, it has remained over 70. And all these energy companies are highly profitable over 70. And certainly, if it's you know a right around 80 now we do have the side the flip side on natural gas many of these companies also produce that and that has been hitting multi decade lows here in 2024 but in 2023 it wasn't quite as bad um i took a look at uh some of the energy companies one of them was reporting an average price on natural gas for the fourth quarter of around $3 that was down from five over $5 the year before. Um, but, but here in fourth quarter, that's going to be even lower, but you still have crude at higher price. So if your energy company is more oily as they call it and not gassy, then you should be okay on uh, free cash flow and all of that. But any of the just pure natural gas plays are really feeling the pain right now. And you can see those stocks are dipping even lower. But Chevron is one of the big oils. It is in refining and it is in the service stations and it has uh, the big drilling globally. So Chevron, again, he bought 15.8 million shares for in the fourth quarter. It was one of the first buys in several years. So if you remember, they bought in the fourth quarter 2020 after the vaccine was announced. Oil uh, had plunged. The stocks were dirt cheap at multi-multi-year lows. They bought some then, um, but then they started selling pretty much almost right away. And I said on this podcast, that was not Warren Buffett. That was one of the lieutenants because why buy in one quarter and sell in the next? That's not the Warren Buffett way. He does have the buy and hold. And remember, the only time you sell is never. There's all of these rules he's had. And so um, lieutenants were selling some there, but then Buffett came in with a big, you know, it was a 50 billion, I believe, purchase. That was in um, 2022, first quarter of 2022. They bought 120.9 million shares then. And that was going all in. But over the last uh, two years, basically, 
They had been selling up until just small amounts up until this last purchase of 15 million shares. So this is a turnaround from where they were, what they were doing before. So it leads me to wonder, um, were all those other sales from the original lieutenant's buys? They control their own money and their own decisions on investing it. And so maybe those sales were a continuation of the ones where they bought and they sold the next quarter. Um, because that would make some sense based on the number of shares. So we're back. Uh, we were at a peak of 165 million shares of Chevron in the portfolio in the third quarter of 2022. And now uh, they bought 15 million, but they had been selling. So we come out starting in the first quarter of 2024 with 126 million shares. So that's just a little bit above that big $50 billion purchase. I bring up all of this because again, he is sitting on 157.2 billion from the prior quarter, from the third quarter. When they report earnings, we'll see how much cash they have on hand right now, but they haven't done any real big acquisitions at all in the quarter to get rid of much of that. And they're generating more income through the dividend and through the short-term investments on that cash. So I'm expecting the cash hoard to actually probably go up a bit again, uh, but we'll see when they report earnings. So what's this all telling us about the energies? He's still buying the Occidental. This isn't a surprise because he said, and he's gotten the okay from the SEC to continue to add his, to that position, but he has said he does not want to buy it outright, at least not yet, that we know. So he's just quietly adding and heading, it looks towards about a 30% ownership of that company, at least. Um, but where do we stand with some of these others? They're only in Chevron and then Occidental, obviously, to the big uh, oil energy companies. But the rest of us looking at the energy. It's cheap. If Buffett is now buying in at these, you know, one-year lows on some of these stocks and great free cash flows, solid dividends, uh, Chevron is yielding 4% right now. That's how they're getting $776 million there because of that 4% yield. It's paying $6.16 a share right now. Um, if if he's doing all this as value investors, we do have to sit up and take notice. At least I am. And when I get down or uh, I feel like fear of missing out, the FOMO is eating at me as I see super micro computer, NVIDIA, ServiceNow, all these companies soaring to new all-time highs. And here are these energy stocks at 52-week lows then I go over and I look at, you know, Berkshire Hathaway's portfolio and I look at Buffett buying again in the fourth quarter into Chevron with his billion sitting there. Um, so that's why I think as value investors, we need to see what Buffett is signaling. That's why I like to look at the 13 Fs and just to get some clues on where he is finding the value in today's market. Now, uh, I get a lot of questions on which energy stock should I buy? Should I buy what Buffett is buying? So Chevron is his X rank number five right now. That's a strong sell. 
But that's because all the earnings estimates are coming down on these energy companies because we have natural gas at multi-decade lows. So earnings are going to come down. If they do any natural gas production at all, it's going to come down. And then we have crude kind of hovering between 70 and 80. If crude gets back above 80 and stays up there for a while, the earnings will go back up. But for now, analysts are adjusting them lower. So we're getting the cells and the strong cells on many of these energy producers, including big oil. So so Chevron's one of those. Uh, PE is just 11.8. It does have a peg ratio of 0.8. So a peg under one indicates growth and value. So I'm liking that. Earnings are expected to be down now in 2024, but just 0.8%, so not by much. And that will be adjusted, but the estimates are down right now. That's why you got the number five to 13.03 from $15 just three months ago. But that's all fluid with commodity stocks. Chevron is buying Hess. That's to get access to the Guiana uh, drilling opportunities big uh, drilling possibilities off the coast there that is down by Venezuela and next to Suriname, all three are big drilling possibilities. So Chevron buying Hess to get into that Guiana position there, Hess is actually partnered with Exxon. So strangely, Chevron and Exxon may be reuniting back in their uh, Rockefeller uh, pre-antitrust kind of thing. And they may be reunited in the partnership down there with Guiana. So Exxon is also buying someone. They're buying Pioneer, but they're already in Guiana. So they're not buying Pioneer to get Guiana. They're buying Pioneer to get the Permian Basin. That deal is expected to close soon. We'll see if we get an update on it when Pioneer reports its earnings. Pioneer ticker PXD. But uh, if you want to buy the deal, most people are just probably buying Exxon, XOM at this point in time. I own Pioneer in my own personal portfolio and in the value investor, and we're holding it in order to get the Exxon shares when that deal goes through, which it looks like it's going to in some time in the first half of this year. Um, a couple others that I've been following. So Diamondback is actually one of the few busting out to new five-year highs, and that's fang as the ticker so it's regained the fang is is back again uh ticker f-a-n-g just one n in this one and they are buying endeavor in a big deal and they're going to basically dominate in the permian as well now they had an excellent earnings report just recently but they are lowering their dividend payouts so if you're looking at their dividend which they pay uh, a basic one plus a variable, and they were doing share buybacks too. So it's pretty significant back to shareholders, but they are lowering it. It was at 75% of free cash flow in 2023. It's going to be lowered to 50%, which is still pretty good, but that's due to the huge Endeavor acquisition, and they're going to take on some debt with that, and they want to pay it off quickly. So uh, that's what they're t- you know lowering it to do. Now, also, Diamondback had some interesting comments on their earnings about this year's production. And they're not really raising this year's production other than the Endeavor deal once that closes because uh, they 
don't feel like market conditions warrant drilling more with the price of crude where it's at and where inventories are and what OPEC is doing. Basically, there's enough crude on the market right now that they don't see the need to drill more right now. And that's kind of what you want to see in an energy company. You don't want crazy drilling to flood the market with the product so that the price goes down. You want some discipline. This is what everybody always talks about with the energy companies. Discipline, discipline, discipline. Usually get it at the beginning of the bull markets. And then after a couple of years, it kind of fades. And then there's more drilling and then it floods the market and then the prices crash down. But we're not there yet. We're still in the early stages of this bull market. And so it's good to hear these big uh, producers in the U.S. talking about the discipline and not really raising production. Some of the others have raised their production guidelines. So it depends on the producer. But overall, for the market, it's good that some of these big producers are kind of holding the line. You know, they're not in OPEC. They don't have to do production cuts but they are uh, basically self-imposing a cut, so to speak, by not raising their production. Uh, Diamondback was very clear they could be drilling more, but they're choosing not to. So I like Diamondback a lot, ticker F-A-N-G. I do not own that one. Another one that I do like a lot and I've talked about um, is APA, ticker APA. And this is the one I talked about on the prior podcast where I've owned it for over 20 years now. And don't be like me. Don't, don't own a commodity for several decades. It's never good. Never turns out good. Um, but we're hopefully back in the bull, as I mentioned. And I really do like where APA is. They're an international driller and they've been in Egypt for many, many years, but they are also in Suriname. And they have partnered there in a 50-50 partnership with Total Energies, the French big oil company. And I like them too. Ticker for Total is T as in Tom, T as in Tom, E as in Edward, T-T-E. And um, both of these trading near year lows. Uh, Total's, the shares are up just 1.6% on the year um, Apache, or formerly known as Apache, APA now, is down 18.6% over the last year. So you can see they've really gotten hammered. GE of just six for APA. So that's really cheap. Uh, Total is also cheap, PE of 6.9. It's kind of always the darkest before the dawn on the PEs because those earnings have been cut. So, uh, you know, we're waiting for a turnaround, those earnings once crude rises a bit. Both are paying pretty good dividends. APA now is yielding 3.2%. They have not raised it for the first quarter of the year, just so people know that has already been out. They haven't reported earnings yet, but they're about to right when I'm recording this, but they've already announced the dividend, but still yielding 3.2%. And Total, I have differing yields on this, and I'm not sure if it's because they pay a variable, but Yahoo Finance is telling me 5%, but Zacks is showing me 3.2% for that one too, um, or a little bit over 3%, 3.8%. Um, so I'm not sure. 
what what the actual dividend is on total, but it's pretty good on that one too. All a lot of these are good because again, the free cash flows are good. But we're we have crude over 70. And a lot of these companies paid down a lot of debt in 2022 when the price spiked and they were flush with cash. So they paid back to shareholders, they paid back on their debt. So they are much more lean and they are able to pay out these 50%, you know, free cash flow payouts to the shareholders still, even with crude coming down off of $100 or more back down to around 70. So that's why I like energy. And I'm assuming that's why Warren Buffett also likes it. He loves companies with good free cash flows, which Chevron does have right now as well. And it's cheap and it's being ignored. Uh, all these stocks, very difficult to buy here because they've been down uh, pretty dramatically over the last six months while almost everything else is rising and going the other way. So Watching what Warren Buffett does is very helpful for us value investors. For those of us who have the fear of missing out, who are a little bit scared to stay the course in a value stock, we can look at Berkshire Hathaway and go, okay, Buffett, who we know has one of the strongest uh, stomachs, as I like to say out there, he is so disciplined with, uh, you know, knowing what, what stock is cheap and staying the course, believing in his uh, strategy on that company and that business that uh, the rest of us really have a hard time duplicating. But we can follow his lead. And that's what the 13Fs get us. I will be interested to see if they're buying some more here in Q1. He has plenty of cash. We're probably not going to know for a couple more months still on what else they're buying. But it will be interesting to get these earnings. We'll get some little tidbits. And then we really have to wait for the annual meeting, which is coming up again in May, the first annual meeting without Charlie Munger. So uh, that'll be a sad event in some ways, uh, but a little bit of changing of the guard, I feel, in this upcoming annual meeting for Berkshire Hathaway. But Yes, energy, still among the cheapest, still hated. You know what that means for us value investors? It means uh, it's a value. (laughs) And I'm liking where it is right now. I'm liking that the shareholders are seeing big uh, gains, either in share buybacks or dividends. That's all good news, too, for those of us who've been holding on through the ups and downs over many years and now they are rewarding the shareholders for our patients so let me recap some of the stocks we talked about on this episode um i'm not going to recap all of uh its positions because we know most of those we've talked about them i'm going to talk just about the oil companies we talked about occidental it's ticker oxy question always is should i buy that one because he's buying it well he's buying most of it so the stock doesn't really go anywhere Um, It might if we get crude back over 80, right? But Occidental has a lot of debt. It's not, and it doesn't pay that high of a dividend yield. I'm not as big a fan on Occidental as I am on some of the other uh, production companies. He also owns Chevron. I like that one much more. I do own it in my own personal portfolio because they bought out one of my small energy companies. So now I do own it. Ticker CVX for Chevron. Then there is Exxon, uh, ticker XOM. I don't own it yet, but 
but I own Pioneer, ticker P as in Paul, X as in X-Ray, D as in David, that's about to be bought out by Exxon. But if you want some exposure to Guiana, you can get it through Exxon, XOM, or now Chevron, once they buy Hess. I know it's complicated, right? Once they buy Hess, then you can get it through either one of those. Uh, CVX, again, is Chevron. Then we had Diamondback Energy. I like them a lot. They're buying Endeavor. They are cutting back a little bit on the dividend, but the ticker is FANG. Maybe that's a sign that's the reason the stock's breaking out, right? FANG, it's back again, ticker F-A-N-G. And then we had uh, APA there in Suriname. Also hopeful, going to be actually getting some production out of there in a 50-50 with Total Energy, the big French oil company. APA is just APA, and Total is T as in Tom, T as in Tom E, T-T-E for that energy company. And as always, I'm going to be covering all of the value stocks, and there is some stuff going on with value, even as growth continues to gallop away. But some value is too. As I mentioned, Diamondback Energy busting out to a five-year high. So it's not all doom and gloom for those of us who are value. And think of it this way. You're buying stocks on the cheap. You're getting them on sale if you're buying value stocks right now. And that's what we always want to do. I like a good sale, especially when I'm buying a company. So keep that in mind and be sure to subscribe to get all of the value investor podcasts you can get us on apple spotify amazon music and on youtube on zach's podcast but get us somewhere and i'll see you again next time with some more value stock this material is being provided for informational purposes only and nothing herein constitutes investment legal accounting or tax advice or a recommendation to buy sell or hold a security do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal tax or accounting counsel publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney client relationship no recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor it should not be assumed that any investments in securities companies sectors or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.